Hey everybody, welcome in and say hello to you here on a Thursday from the capital city, Jimmy B and TC, on the Big Talker 1700. Trent, look, you and I talked about it yesterday, and you had totally flipped from, nah, I really don't want them in, do I really want them in? And the, I'm telling you, that game last night between the T-Wolves and the Nuggets, it's everything that you could ask for in a game that meant so much to both teams. Uh, I'm on the other side, Jimmy B. That game was ugly. That that The first half was a lot of fun. It was up and down. It was yeah, open. But yeah. late in that basketball game, that was ugly. I mean, there's a reason those teams were fighting just to get into the playoffs. That was ugly basketball, Jimmy B. It, it, we got overtime. That was great. But, you know, Joe Kitch, a couple of the opportunities he had late. You know, we were, we were singing his praises yesterday. What a great passer he was. Did look like he wanted to pass it all during the game. He, he took that part of his game completely off the table. Taj Gibson played incredible defense against him he late. He did. But uh, yeah, Joe Kitch, the passing ability, must have forgot about that part of the game. Must have left it in Denver. <laughs> Left it on the table in the Mile High City. Look, this is still, it meant everything to both teams. And, I mean, aren't you excited that Minnesota's in? The crowd, I mean, you would have loved to have been in that building last night because that was absolutely hysterical for the crowd. Yeah, my buddy was uh, in the second row right behind one of the baskets. Wow. He sent me a picture last night. He said the environment was unbelievable. He's uh, My buddy used to work for the T-Wolves. He worked in the ticket office for a number of years after college. So uh, he's got some connections there. And he got the he got the homie hookup last night. He, he was sitting pretty yeah. last night and uh, kept looking for him on television, sitting behind the basket. Could never, could never find him back there. But he uh, said it, it was a great environment. And, and quite the day for Minnesota sports. You know, as the Wild took the lead there, in the beginning of the third period, got those two goals. What, in the first four minutes, I think it was. Uh, it was looking like it was all going to come up Minnesota. Now, the Jets come back and get the victory there, but the T-Wolves are in, setting up a big weekend. It's uh, Things are going well north of the border. They are. They are. I mean, look, uh, sports fans up there should be excited for what their teams are, are offering up right now. And I believe, and, you know, Jim, th- yeah. this will be if, if uh, all... If the Twins make the playoffs this year, this would be the first time in a calendar year that the four uh-huh. major professional sports teams all make the playoffs. Obviously, the Vikings were in. We see the Wild yep. and the T-Wolves in. And if the Twins make it, be the first time ever in a calendar year that they've all been there. But wow, their drought for uh, a city that has four professional sports franchises, they have the longest drought of anybody as it pertains to a championship. Uh, D.C. right behind them as it was the 91 season, 92 for the Redskins winning a title. But Minnesota has the longest drought. So, Jimmy B., I ask you this question. Who's going to be the team that breaks that streak? Of the four professional teams in Minnesota, who would you put your money on? Look, I really like this T-Wolves team. Um are you just talking about this season, or are you just talking no, about, no. say, in the next five years? Well, who, in the next five years? Who wins the next Minneapolis championship? Minneapolis-St. Paul championship? And, and the Lynx don't count. Okay, the Lynx don't count. <laughs> no, okay. No, because they've, they've, won, going, a, they've that, won a few during that time period. And, they have, yes. And, and uh, a couple of people have brought that up. No, I, I'm talking about the four Major professional major. sports, yes. Okay. We're not talking okay. indoor soccer. We're not talking lacrosse right. championships. Right. We're not talking okay. WNBA. We're talking about okay. the big four. The big four. All right. So from that standpoint, 
I know they play in the West Division, but one more really good player for the T-Wolves and the way that Carl Anthony Towns has come on, Mm -hmm. the way that Jimmy Butler can perform, and you mentioned Taj Gibson and his defense on Jokic last night late in the game was just tremendous. I'm I'm going to say I think the road because in the next two years, I don't think Golden State's going to be as good. I think that Houston will not be a- as good because you can only pay those guys for so long, and then you're going to have some breakup with the way the salary caps now are structured in the NBA. So I I, I think the Wild are always going to be. In it, yeah, pretty good. But yeah, I, yeah. yeah but I don't think they're going to win it. Mm-hmm. And I think the T Wolves, with the young core that they have right now, one more really outstanding player. Because we all know it now. Nowadays, it takes at least three, and if you're Golden State, you have four. So I, I think they're one big time player away from really competing and having a chance to be that team, Trent. I, I really do. Now, the team that's the closest right now is the Vikings. But you're yes, they are. You're, is it that you're not sold on Cousins? That you you're worried that maybe the Rams and the Eagles are just still a step above them? Why why would you put the T Wolves in front of the Vikings? Because you answered my question for me. Because I think there are other teams who like the Vikings right now for the next couple of seasons are going to be as competitive. And you reference the Rams and Philadelphia. I don't think those two teams are going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't uh, in the NFC. I mean, they're all in right now to be the top teams. Look, I'm not going to take anything away from the Vikes. They have as good a shot as anybody. But for some reason, in the NFC and the division that they play in, and the amount of injuries that can stack up on a team. I mean, you lose Cousins, you're done. Right, right. You're, you're done. I mean, even if he's gone for three, maybe four games, you're toast. So uh, that's why I picked. That's why I picked the NBA team. I mean, yes, do injuries happen in, in the NBA? Absolutely. Yep, big name guys get hurt. Steph Curry's out right now as we speak. But they, the, the, it's it's different. Because it's not a 16-game schedule, it's 82. And the key is, is just get in. And get guys healthy then for the run that begins in April. So I, I'm, going to, I'm going to lean toward the T-Wolves being one great player away. And but but that but that means that Butler would still have to be there. Carl Anthony Towns would still have to be there. Trent Wiggins, one yeah, more yeah, yeah. yes, one more great player. Sure, and I think that they they would be able to make that run. I really do. So Jim's putting his money on the Timberwolves. I you know what? And, and maybe yeah. fandom is shining shining through here. I might do it on the Twins. It, the Vikings, like I said, you know, the Vikings are. The most likely. They'd be the betting favorite. You know, if you had a betting line on yes, each of the four would. teams, right. they'd be, you know, a, a, a plus 125 favorite out of the four squads. But 
I don't know, maybe it's just what they did the last couple of days against the Astros, how bad they looked a year before when they took on Houston and getting the two victories and winning a series against the Strohs. But, you know, you're going to get Urban Santana back. Your Barrios has a chance to take that next step and, and be a star at the top of the rotation. The bullpen is fixed, and, and the young talent they have offensively. Plus, baseball, Jimmy B, when we get to the playoffs, it's a crapshoot. You know, we've seen wildcard teams win it. Yeah. It's so different. The NBA, you're not going to see an 8 seed like the Timberwolves win the title. It's never happened before. In fact, only twice have we seen an 8 seed even knock off a one in the opening round. So it, that just it doesn't happen very often, at least for the near future. Can they get there? I think so. But for the Wolves, that might be three, four years more down the line to get there. In a season where, in baseball, anything can happen in the near future, I, I might throw a little money on my, my twins because I just... <laughs> I, I really like this squad, Jim, and, and it's such a odd spot for me. You know how pessimistic I normally am. Boy, yes. they, they 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 look to have a real chance here, a real chance to to fight with Cleveland at the top of the division and to go through. And you know what? We could be talking and we replay the cha- tape in July, and I might look like a moron. But I'm excited about this <laughs> twin, Steve. I I really really am. Hey, uh, Jim, one more thing here in our opener. Yeah, you uh you mentioned you wanted to talk a little bit about. Uh, what's going on, and uh, the Russell Westbrook last night. So mm-hmm. before the game, he, he's going through, he, what, what was it, did he get a award? Is that what it was? No, 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 They uh, because it was the final oh, okay, game, gotcha. uh, final home game of yeah. the regular season, he wanted to address the fans and thank them. Gotcha. And and so during during that, during that thank you to the fans, he started talking about Nick Collison. Uh-huh. And... And everybody knows, played, you know, Iowa kid, played at Kansas, etc. He is the only remaining player on the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. who was with the franchise in Seattle. And then the team moved. So he has spent his entire, I believe it's 14 years, something like that, with the same franchise, Seattle and OKC. So Westbrook calls him out and asks him to come up to where Westbrook was addressing the crowd at the center jump circle on the court. Yeah. And and proceeds to tell the entire packed house that, A, he wouldn't be the player that he was without Nick Collison, that he has been his big brother since he came into the league, that they are boys, and that friendship will never ever be broken. I mean, I thought Collison was going to cry because mm-hmm. I think because it caught him totally off guard. And of course, you know, the fans went nuts, gave Collison a standing ovation and everything, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. But I just thought, you know, you you see guys play and you kind of form your opinion on things like that and how competitive Westbrook is. But then to see his face light up talking about Nick Collison mm-hmm. and how it and how he was his mentor uh, coming into the NBA and then to offer to bring him out to center court, uh, it was it was special. It, it really was. And look, I know Collison; he didn't play at Iowa or Iowa State or you and I or Dre. I get that, but still, he's an Iowa guy. Well, and you know and whose fault that was, Jim. I'll tell you, Who's you probably don't. Okay. It's Bob okay. Bullsby's fault. It's Bob Bullsby's fault because 
from everything I know, he's a North Iowa guy like myself, uh, a couple years, a year younger than me, and uh, ran around, saw him playing on the AAU circuit. Boy, talk about a different level player than a dork like me in the North Iowa Conference, but... <laughs> From everything that I heard, he he grew up a Hawkeye fan. He would have been an Iowa Hawkeye. Iowa Falls is a big Hawkeye community, and I, I know quite a few people up there. He would have been a Hawkeye, but that was the time that Bob Bowlesby and Mary Sue Coleman and their infinite wisdom, instead of either signing Dr. Tom Davis to a contract extension or outright uh, firing him, they gave him the lame duck year. Well, that just happened to be Nick Collison's senior year of high school. There were murmurs and rumblings after Alford was hired that maybe he would try to find a way to get out of his letter of intent. I don't know how close to fruition that story is, but it's a story that's always been out there. But I believe, and many people maintain, if Iowa actually had a coach at that time, that Nick Collison would have been a Hawkeye. Wow. Interesting. Okay. See, I did not know that background story. See, I gotta help you out, Jimmy I, B. I gotta help. Yeah, you out. Yeah, listen. When it comes to yeah, when it comes to that, I I, I accept it always. Well, let's. But let's, I I just yeah, I just found it to be really uh, it it was a heartfelt moment from yes. last night. Well, let's uh, let's take a listen. I got the audio here. Let's take a listen. Last night, Russell Westbrook addressing the crowd. Uh, on behalf of myself and my teammates and the entire Thugger organization, I'd like to thank you guys for your continued support all season long. You guys are the best fans in the world. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, one, more, one more thing I'd like to say. Um, I'd like to bring up uh, my friend, my mentor, uh, my brother, Nick Collison. Um, come on, Nick. Come on, Nick. Come on, Nick. Um, he's somebody I always looked up to, man. It's a real pleasure to have him here. I uh, just want to make sure you guys show him some love. Can't hear you anyway. It's okay. I'll wait. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's his last season or not. But man, he's somebody I always looked up to as a brother. Um, he's done so much for me in this organization. I just want to make sure you guys gave him a standing ovation for the things he's done for this city, Oklahoma City. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. So there it was, uh, Russell Westbrook last night. A very cool moment, certainly, in, in honoring, uh, in a way, a former Iowan and uh, a guy that still makes his way back to the state from time to time, Nick Collison. Cool moment there. We got Ken Silverstein coming up on the other side. We're going to talk some NBA, get a little spring football as well with him from the Big Ten variety. Ken Silverstein, he joins us next as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. And welcome in, everybody. We say hello to you and take you all the way until 6 o'clock right here on the Big Talker 1700. Uh, time to have a conversation right now. Big Ten Conference Insider and the lover of the NBA and the NFL. Ken Silverstein is our guest. Kenny, how are you? And look, we were having, and we opened the show talking about the game last night uh, between Minneapolis and Denver and how it went into overtime and how the Minnesota T-Wolves finally get into the playoffs. In Cleveland, that was never uh, a problem. You knew that the Cavs were going to be in. Were you impressed that LeBron James, at the age he is, played the entire 82-game schedule. First time he's ever done that. I mean, was that was that a big talking point, really, around the NBA or not? Well, it was at the last week or two. Uh, if you had said to me in October, which feels like a uh, lifetime, 
ago. Do you think LeBron James, one, will or should play 82? I would have said no, he will not play 82, and he shouldn't play 82. But for whatever reason or reasons, in this very strange regular season, at least for this franchise, uh, he ended up playing all 82. Now, last night he played, well, I think, 11 minutes. Uh, I was there last night. Uh, we all knew before the game, as long as he played some, got 10 points or more, which is what he did, he would go stage left. He went stage left uh, very quickly and never saw the light of day after that. So, um, you know, they'll take on Indiana. <clears throat> they'll take on the Pacers coming up on Sunday, 2.30 Central Time here uh in uh, downtown Cleveland, I think it's going to be a pretty good series. Pacers usually play them um, pretty tough and um, play them very tough uh, in Indianapolis. So I think um, it'll be a good series, good first-round series. They usually are. Four and five, they're usually, uh, you know, no surprise, usually pretty competitive. Can, uh, the MVP award, it looks like a foregone conclusion that it'll be James Harden that wins it, but he's got a lot of help around him. Now, LeBron's candidacy for the MVP. You know, we, we have a little revisionist history. We look back at the Michael Jordan era and the years that he didn't win the MVP when Charles Barkley won it and, and we saw Karl Malone win one of those. And now looking back, we, we all kind of feel silly about that. Could we be falling into the same kind of trap with LeBron, especially in a season like this? Now, they didn't win 60-plus games this season, but with everything that happened around him, the reshuffling of the roster that happened in there, what he's doing on the offensive end of the floor, might we have some revisionist history and say, boy, we should have just given the MVP to LeBron? Well, you can say that, and there is some validity to it for sure. Um, Kevin Love, the second-best player uh, with the franchise, missed, what did he miss? He was about 20-plus games. With a broken finger, uh, broken hand, whatever. Um, they had, uh, obviously, a roster that was disjointed. They made all the trades uh, with uh, the L.A. Lakers, Utah Jazz, particularly Sacramento Kings, to bring in four and jettisoning many more than that. But I I still think the Beards are going to win, and, and if I had a vote, which I don't, um, I think I still would go with Harden. Um, I think it will be closer than I think some people might think. I think LeBron will finish mm, probably second, um, but I think Harden will win. Uh, is Harden the best player in the NBA? Mm, I don't think so. I think he's in the top couple, um, but that's not exactly how they view this in so many ways. So I, I think I think Harden will win. Um, he's been the front runner basically for the last couple of months. Yes, LeBron and some others have made a little bit of a one at him, but I think when it's all said and done, um, I think the winning, the number one seed, uh, knocking Golden State down the number two, uh, will be enough for Harden to uh, win um, the MVP uh, for the NBA. Ken Silverstein is our guest here on the Big Talker 1700. All right, there's so much talk going around about Russell Westbrook as well. Look, all the dude does is show up every night and play his butt off every night. He gives it his all every night. Can he ends up averaging another triple-double? Even the great Oscar Robertson did not go back-to-back in the 60s with a triple-double. Yet, it seems like Westbrook is a forgotten person in this conversation. 
is are we missing something here or just the latest is the greatest and okay we saw him do that last year so now it's not a big thing anymore well no i mean it's it's remarkable and the thing that's remarkable about the triple double for both years is all right points are points okay he can score and a lot of guys in the nba can get double digits okay we we get that um assists well he's got the ball you know a huge amount of the time it's all right i can see the assist but when you get double-digit rebounds, okay, for not only one season but two seasons in a row, and you're what is Westbrook? Uh, I don't know, six three ish, six six five, six. Uh, that, yeah, that, that's remarkable. I mean, flat out, okay. I mean, if you're six nine, six ten, and getting double-digit rebounds, okay, I get that. You got size, you got, you know, you got uh, whatever. You're able to get rebounds. You're close. You're closer to the basket. Or rebounds are going to be found. So yeah, if you're a power forward center and you're you're averaging double digits in rebounds, okay, you know, kudos to you. But I'm not shocked by it particularly. But when you're a point guard and you're averaging, you know, points, rebounds, and assists in no particular order, and you do it two years in a row, and the Big O never did it uh, two years in a row, uh, yeah, that is uh, remarkable. Um, he will be in the hunt. I don't think he's going to win it, uh, the MVP, but I think he'll be in the top couple. And could you make an argument for him? Yeah, I guess you can. And you'd, you'd be on somewhat solid ground, but I guess I'll stick to my guns. Just the vibe that everyone seems to be throwing into the mix is that Harden's going to win. We'll put LeBron two and Westbrook a very close number three. What's interesting is no Steph Curry, obviously because of injuries. And um, I don't think Kevin Durant's going to be in the top three, uh, even though I think he's had you know, a very good season. Uh, and obviously, when uh, Curry went down uh, with the leg injury, um, Durant obviously picked up the slack and, and so forth. But I think, I think expectations are going to hurt Durant's cause, even though he has put up another uh, stellar season uh, statistically. Talk with Ken Silverstein right now, taking a look first around the NBA. Let's take a look out east and uh, Cleveland as they sit there as the four seed. You mentioned Indiana in the opening round. The top seed, Toronto, a team that they certainly had their number four. Who is the team that concerns you most for a return trip for the Cavs to get to the finals? Is it Toronto, who is the number one seed? Is it those red-hot Sixers? The Celtics, with their injuries, appear to be a shell of themselves. Who is the team that would concern you most from a Cleveland perspective? I, I, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I can't believe I'm saying this. It's a Philadelphia 76 The process. you got to be kidding me. The process. Oh, no, God. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, well, for a couple of reasons. One, they're young and they're talented. Now, you have to factor in that, except for basically J.J. Redick, and he doesn't have a ton of playoff experience, particularly meaning no NBA Finals experience uh, and so forth. They, they basically got in squat uh, when it comes to, to experience, but they got talent, they got exuberance, and, um, you know, uh, they would have home court uh, in regards to a, a uh, matchup uh, with the Cavaliers. So I, I'd say on the eve of this, and everything will start, obviously, coming up on Saturday, uh, and this is what I love about the first round is it's like 24-hour NBA basketball. I mean, you have 16 teams, um, you know, you got four in each, um, everybody's going to play Saturday, and if they don't play Saturday, they're going to play Sunday. Uh, so when we all, when it all settles down, let's say late Sunday night, Monday morning, when everyone you know kind of digests all of this, we'll all be at least 
one game in in each of these series, and then you know we'll go from uh, there. So yeah, I, th- I think Philadelphia will be at least for the Cavaliers, uh, but I think Indiana is going to give them a little bit of a series. Uh, Victor Oladipo, the former Indiana uh, product, is arguably over the last year or so one of, if not the most improved player uh, in the NBA, and he has played very well this year head to head against the Cavaliers. So uh, I think he will be a thorn in the Cavaliers' side. But I think Cavaliers will advance. Uh, they have LeBron. They have more playoff uh, experience, uh, particularly with him and Kevin Love. So I, I think the Cavaliers will advance, and uh, we'll see who they uh, will face in uh, in round number two. But I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think mm, I hadn't really thought about this, but I guess I'll throw it out in the mix right now. Um, I think Indiana can win a couple games. So I'm going to go six. Uh, Cavaliers... Uh, win in six, and then advance uh, into uh, round number two. Ken, take me to the West. Uh, we know that Steph Curry is not going to play in the first round for the Golden State Warriors. The Minnesota Timberwolves got into the playoffs first time in the, what seems like forever for that team. Hmm. And they have two really, really good players in Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler. Andrew Wiggins, who you saw, although he didn't uh, play uh, because of the trade for Kevin Love, you you saw him, though, and he's just not there yet. Do you think that eventually he will get there to be a top player, or or do you think that we've already seen the ceiling that he's just going to be a good player in the NBA? Well, he can be very explosive, and he is a very important player if they have any shot uh being the number one seed. It's obviously eight against number one, Minnesota and the Houston Rockets. Um, Towns is going to do his thing, okay? He's a load and is a perennial uh, all-star player. I don't worry about Jimmy Butler. The, the lights are not going to be too bright uh, for him. If Minnesota is going to win or at least give Houston a really, really good series, uh, you've hit the key guy. Wiggins has got to play well, and he's got to be consistent. He can't have an 18-20 point game and then the next game disappear. He's got to be a factor if they're going to be super competitive uh, and make Houston at least get deep uh, into the series. Um, he's as athletically gifted as anybody you're going to find in a league of obviously great athletes in the NBA, but Again, inconsistent, sometimes takes some shots where you just shake your head and go, what was he thinking in regards to that? I can tell you this, when they made the trade in Houston, Houston, when Cleveland had the first pick and took Wiggins, and then LeBron came back uh, on that Friday, uh, one day that uh, yours truly will remember for a long, long time, everyone knew, uh, the rumor was out there, that LeBron did not want to play it wasn't so much against Wiggins personally. It was the idea that LeBron, the clock is ticking even X amount of years ago. Uh, they hadn't won a championship here, and he didn't want to wait for Wiggins to get it together. And he knew Love was already an all-star type player, and now is a five-time uh, all-star in Kevin Love. So that's why that trade was made. It was forced by LeBron, not so much that he was against Wiggins. It was that he was against somebody like Wiggins being at that point a rookie player. So let's fast forward to this series. Timberwolves are finally in the playoffs. Butler's going to do his thing. Towns is a stud. Bottom line is Wiggins has got to play lights out. If he does, they got a shot. My guess is he won't. 
And because of that, Houston obviously will advance uh, in round number two. Surprise, surprise, uh, the number one seed will advance. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, this is going to be a fun run through everything. Is this the final run for LeBron, though, in Cleveland, regardless of when it ends up? Wow. Or, or does that matter, too? What, what happens in these playoffs? Well, I was at the Indians game last night and then went across the street for the Cavaliers game because they were spaced out by about two hours and uh, had an opportunity to visit with a, a pretty good, a very good source uh, at the Cavaliers game last night. And we obviously, you can't go anywhere in this town without the subject matter being broached. Okay, it's impossible. It's just impossible. And so I, I cornered them, which as Jim will know is one of the best things I do. It's cornering people. Okay. That's right. And basically make sure you can get away from me. Uh, almost had to tackle them, but uh, I was able to get a couple of minutes with them all off the record, obviously. And look, nobody knows. No, Nobody knows. But I will tell you this. I did find out one pearl of wisdom, and it, and it works with the calendar. The lottery balls are going to do their ping pong thing here uh, in May. Okay. So everyone's going to know where they're slotted. All right, that's number one. Number two, the draft comes up later on in June. Okay, and at that point, everyone's going to know who everyone has picked. Okay. Number three, think of this as like one domino to another domino to the third domino. July first is the key date, and that is when free agency will commence in the NBA. So at that point, the Cavaliers will know. The NBA will know, LeBron James and his people will know, number one, where they picked, who they picked, and what he thinks and his people think about that subject matter or subject matters, to make it plural. So the source says to me last night, if, if the pick is like seven, eight, or nine or lower, that's not good for the Cavaliers. Okay, for a couple reasons. One, because they're not going to be able to get the type of player that will convince LeBron to stay. And two, it won't be a good enough pick that they would want or someone would want to trade for it potentially to get a veteran player that might appease LeBron, meaning he would stay or would make it more advantageous, let's say, to stay. So if the pick is in the top three or four, five at the max, okay, then the Cavaliers have to then go to LeBron and his people and say, look, ping pong balls tell us, I'm going to just throw out a number here, we're picking fourth, okay? Um, then we fast forward to the draft in later stages of June, and they pick, oh, I don't know, let's say they pick at number four, they pick, figuring back, they would probably go number three out of Duke. Let's say at number four, they take, mm, they roll the dice and take Michael Porter. Okay, who, if he didn't have the back problems, probably would have been a number one pick uh, prior to the uh, the, uh, the physical issue the kid out of the University of Missouri. Okay, then the Cavaliers go to LeBron and say, "Hey, um, we got the fourth pick. We just took Porter. This is the morning of the draft. What do you think? If they get the vibe he might stay, then they'll pick at number four. If they think he says to them, no, I don't think anybody you're going to pick at four is good enough, then they may be forced to trade that pick for a veteran that mm-hmm. LeBron and his people think is good enough for him to stay, potentially. But even with all of that said, 
no one knows, and he ain't tipping his hand. And I think when push comes to shove and closing to this, they will, on the day of the NBA draft, they will go to him and they will do their utmost, their best, to find out what he wants to do. Because they have to figure out whether they hold on to the pick numerically where it, where it stands or whether they trade that pick for a veteran player. They're going to do their best on the day of the draft to figure out where he's at. And if they can't figure it out, then they have to make a very difficult decision that um, uh, a lot of people's uh, individual careers will be riding on in regards to making that type of decision. Do you make a trade? Do you hold on to the pick not knowing what he might do? You know, it's interesting to me, uh, as as we get ready then for the playoffs, the television ratings are all up across the board. In your estimation, what has the NBA done this past season to, A, get, I, I guess, younger younger fans to tune in? Do they just market their players can any better than any other league is is that one of the things that they do they can really sell star power yeah and i i think this goes all the way back Tim, to um the late 70s and into the 80s when you had magic and bird um mm-hmm. david stern gets a late commissioner the past commissioner uh gets a lot of credit for this i think at times it's too much it's over the top that you drown in this stuff but um you know, LeBron and Kobe and, and and guys that go by one name and Steph and KD and, and on and on and on. Um, younger demographics seem to gravitate to that part of marketing, okay? And these are all, some people are long retired, like Michael and, 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 and Magic and Bird and so forth, but even today's players, or even more so today's players, seem to be geared to younger demographics. And watch the com- watch the TV commercials, okay, during this postseason, and say to yourself, who are they talking to? Okay, most of the commercials are geared to phones, okay, which everyone has, but younger people seem to be more tech savvy and are more interested in the newest model. So. Every phone company is going to have their product line out there, okay? And uh, power drinks and sneakers and on and on and on. It's all, for the most part, unless it's a car, an automobile, um, and and that would be a certain company that begins with a letter K because that's a sponsor uh, for the NBA in regards to the automobile side of things. Um, it's just geared to younger demographics, and the NBA has done a hell of a job uh, with the NFL has not, except for a couple guys. And Major League Baseball has tried with guys like Harper and, and, and others to, um, you know, um, market them and get them out and, and see if they can get them at the level of NBA players. But I don't, I don't think anybody is even close to what the NBA has been able to do. Um, I, 80s, 90s, O's, and now teens. Uh, for the last X amount of decades, they have been able to market their guys where they end up becoming, you know, like rock stars, like I'm going to date myself here, like Elvis, like Madonna, like uh, Mick, I mean, Mick Jagger, on and on and on, uh, like Bono, whatever, whatever, you know, uh, Kanye, whatever, you know, they all go by one name, basically, and everybody knows 
you know who you're talking about worldwide. Always good, man, when we have you on the show. You have a great day as we get uh, ready then for the NBA playoffs coming up. We also got a little spring football this weekend, too. I know a couple schools have canceled, but a couple others are going to try to squeeze them in. Others are going to go next weekend. So just a little bit of football, Big Ten style, at least over the next couple weekends. Yeah, hey, uh, quickly on that, what are you hearing uh, the latest on Shea Patterson, the transfer from Old yeah. West out to Harbaugh? Seems uh, very unclear at this point if he's going to be eligible. Ole Miss is certainly throwing their old wrinkle into it. An important cog for the fighting Harbaugh's going into the season. What are you hearing on that? There have been a couple stories. Talked to somebody the other day about it. No one seems to know. It seems, it seems to be leaning slightly, and I mean ever so slightly, to a no. Mm-hmm. But you're dealing with the NCAA. Nothing would surprise me. Obviously, Ole Miss is fighting this. Michigan is fighting this. They, Michigan needs them desperately. Okay, if Harbaugh wants to get the heat off of them, he's got to get a yes here, um, because by far he'd be their best quarterback. If you're asking me if I was a betting man, I, I think it's going to be a no. I don't know that. It's just, a, just a hunch on my part. If you ask me tomorrow, I could change my mind. Sure. If something comes out where it's a little bit of a leak. But I'd say right now it's probably a slight edge that it's going to be a no, but it wouldn't shock me if it went in the other direction. But it's this thing was supposed to be decided in late February, early March. Gentlemen, it's almost the middle of April, and the NCAA still hasn't announced what they're going to do. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Kenny. We'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next Thursday, guys. Thanks, Ken. There you go. Ken Silverstein, right here on the Big Talker 1700. You know, that I'm glad you uh, broached that story because mm-hmm. I've been following that one too, Trent. It's, it's wacky. Uh, you can't make sense of what the NCAA is going to do three-quarters of the time. You know, and a lot of this goes on Old Miss, though. Why the pettiness from Mississippi? I agree, yeah. The kid doesn't want to be there anymore. No. Uh, he... Though he might not have been misled to the level that he's talking about, he doesn't want to be there. You're not playing Michigan next year. Worry about your own house. It's just the pettiness. It, it, it leaves yep. me shaking my head. If it's about kids, it's about competition for the kids, then you don't put these parameters here. And that's why I'm very happy that the NCAA, you know, we, we've talked a lot about the possibility of transfers being eligible right away and things like right. that. But but a big component also that is uh, part of, of the, uh, the memorandum in front of the NCAA is also taking away these restrictions. A guy wants to leave, he can leave. And if he wants to go to a competing school, he can go to a competing school. It's about the mm-hmm. kid's best interest, and they don't have much flexibility as is. But if a kid wants to move on, they want to go on, and they want to play somewhere, wherever it may be, these these kind of restrictions just leave me shaking my head. Shea Patterson, when he went to Ole Miss, he certainly did not anticipate that there was going to be this level of NCAA sanctions against him. His right. coach not being there anymore that, that recruited him, all these different things. Let the kid go. And, and you know I am no Harbaugh fan. He annoys the crap out of me. He, I, he really I, I know he does. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? It, it has nothing to do with fandom or anything like that. It's about the best interests of the individuals involved. And for Shea Patterson, if he wants to move on, leave that tire fire that is Ole Miss, and play at Michigan, just let it happen. Don't you always find it interesting when it's always the administrators – 
oh, we, we, we take care of our student athletes, our student athletes this, our student athletes that, as long as they're making us money. Right. And right. then, yeah, okay, yeah. And, and then... And then it gets to the point where, well, the kid's going to leave on us. Screw that kid. We're going to make his life miserable. I, I mean, it's incredible how that, how that, uh, that they flip that switch to try to tell you how important it is to be a student athlete. And then when the kid has uh, another idea, then they go absolutely ballistic on the kid. I, I, I hate it there. It, it's, it's so bureaucratic and, the hypocrisy just slays me sometimes uh, for major college sports. It's terrible. It really is. And you outlined it beautifully uh, with what you just said. It's going to be the difference for Michigan to be a realistic contender in the Big Ten East this year or you know, being another 8-4, and 9-3 and three type of year. I, that's what yeah. the difference is going to be for Michigan going into this year. Michigan State doesn't appear to be going anywhere. You know, you, you look through, of course, Ohio State's going to be there. Penn State going to be very good, at least you'd anticipate coming into the year. So it's just Michigan needs him. Michigan needs him to yep. be competitive. What do you, I mean, we're, we're way early and we're going to be talking a lot this summer. Where are you on the Wolverines? Do you expect them to take that big leap this year to be there and be 11 and 1, be competing for the college football playoff. Do you see that out of the Wolverines? Do you, do you, are you saying that he's going to be a quarterback? Are yeah, you well, telling me that? Let, let's say Patterson gets eligible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, I think then, I think then, yes, they would have a shot at that uh, with the talent that they have. But, and I referenced this a couple of days ago when we had an earlier discussion that. If they're not, uh, Harbaugh is going to be on the hot seat. I mean, look, they he, he came in, he righted the ship, he got them to bowl games. Yes, I know that. 110 still isn't good enough, and then went to a couple of minor bowls, and they're... They're they're counting, meaning Michigan fans. A he hasn't beat Urban Meyer yet at Ohio State, so that's that's one uh, chink in the armor, and he hasn't had an opportunity to compete yet in the first four mm-hmm. when and have a chance to play in the championship game. So those are the two major things why they are spending all of this money for Jim Harbaugh, and so far he hasn't been able to deliver. So I think it gets, if, if he doesn't deliver this time, I think it gets real uncomfortable. I, I really do, Trent. And even if they take another step forward, and even if they don't play in the championship, but along the way they beat Ohio State. And sure, maybe sure. give the Buckeyes their only loss, and they finish 10-2. and two, But you've got to see real progress here. I, that defense has a chance to be stellar again. The young yes. talent that they've, they've accumulated, I think they are going to be really good on that side. And yeah, it might just come down to Patterson and what they're able to get out of him. Going to be fun. Uh, year three, you know, year four, that's that's the time you're looking for that breakthrough moment. We'll see if that's going to be the case with the Wolverines. we got to take a break. We're coming back on the other side. We'll put a cap on our number one. Take it up until 6 o'clock tonight. It's Jimmy B and TC. All right, back quickly here for the final segment of the first hour. Coming up next hour, a busy one. Gary Ryman going to be stopping by the voice of the UNI Panthers. We'll break down the new signees for the basketball team. Coach Jake putting it together on that side of things. Also talk a little spring football coming up with Gary Ryma, the voice of you and I. Then the voice of the Cyclones, John Walters. He'll join us coming up right after that. 
going to break down a little bit of football, go through. Since we're not going to get to see the spring game tomorrow, an opportunity to go in, break things down, look at the offense, look at the defense, talk about a few things that have come up here throughout the spring with John, and uh, we'll put a cap on things with what we're watching tonight in the world of sports. All to come here as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. Back with more in a moment. It's Jimmy B and TC.